What's up you guys, Sideline Statsman here, and welcome to today's episode of the Pigskin Pulpit. We got a great episode lined up for you guys. Today, we're going to cover a couple transactions involving old man Gore, Mr. Frank Gore heading over to the New York Jets, and Andy Dalton find a new home in his home state of Texas with the Dallas Cowboys. We're going to talk about how those two moves came to be and why they're smart for both teams. Next, we'll cover Don Shula's death. At the age of 90 years old, he passed away peacefully in his home on Monday, and we're going to cover the entire news story itself and tell you guys about his impact on the league and what he meant to the NFL. And keeping on the note of head coaches, we're going to close it out in honor of Don Shula by listing our top five greatest head coaches of all time. I'll be putting it on Twitter also publicly, where you guys can completely berate me if I'm wrong, but... I really think I did enough research and I looked at all the stats to tell you that this is how it should be. And if you guys disagree with me, that's fine. Lay it out for me. Who knows? Maybe your comment could be on the next podcast. It's going to be an entertaining episode. But until we get to the coaches, let's start off with the transactions. So without further ado, let's get it started. Starting right out the gate here with Frank Gore as the first topic. Let's talk about this for one moment. Frank Gore going to the New York Jets. Who would have thought of that? I mean, I know the Jets need a backup running back to help out Le'Veon Bell. But to me, it made no sense to add Frank Gore at first. And then I looked at it. And I said to myself, why would Gore want to go to the Jets? Well, it's simple. Frank Gore wanted to go to the Jets because... He had a lot of respect for Adam Gaze. His connection to Gaze goes all the way back to 2018 and 2008. 2008, he was the assistant over at San Francisco, where Gore was a prominent feature running back in their system with Alex Smith. On top of that, 10 years later, they get reunited again, because this time, Gaze is now the head coach of the Miami Dolphins, and now he's been reunited with Frank Gore. Just for one season, though. Then Frank Gore is gone, and then Adam Gaze moves on to the Jets. Gore was with the Bills for one season, and now, as a free agent, he had a choice between the Jets and the Raiders. Both teams gave him offers, but at the end of the day, he took the offer from the Jets because of his connection and respect for Adam Gaze, which I do respect. I think you put Gore and Bell together in the Jets system, especially on the ground, I think it could work really well. I think Gore being that power back and being more third down chunk yardage, that would be good for them. Because Le'Veon Bell is more of a speed rusher to the outside. He doesn't have more of a, um edge on one side than the other. I just know that he's faster and younger and more elusive than Frank Gore. Frank Gore is like a ground and pound back to me. He doesn't have that breakaway speed he had when he was younger. And on top of that, Frank Gore is a great running back. He's a scrimmage yard running back. He's... Could be a potential Hall of Famer. Honestly, it's a good addition for the team, especially at Frank Gore's age. Third all-time in rushing yards, I think that's a great accomplishment. I'm going to tell you that Frank Gore definitely is someone that we should watch for. I don't care if he's 37, 38. 
he can still do some pretty big damage because the second you start doubting him, that's when he breaks away for a 1,000-yard season. So I would seriously not overestimate or at least underestimate what you see from Frank Gore. I think it's a great move for the Jets. I think it helps them out a lot. And then there's another transaction that happened. And I think it kind of broke a lot of people because they didn't understand why the move was made. So I'll go into it. Andy Dalton, after being released by the Bengals, he was speculated to be on the Patriots' radar. There was news going around that the Jets might be looking into him. There was news going around saying that the Titans might be looking at him. All for backup roles. Maybe potential starter in the Patriots' case. However, the Dallas Cowboys came out of left field and said, Oh, we want Dalton. And they took Dalton. Now they have a backup. Surprised a lot of people. Because we thought the Cowboys were set with Dak. You have Dak Prescott, what do you need Andy Dalton for? Well, they don't have a reliable backup to put all the weight on in case Dak gets hurt. You're going to put Cooper Rush in the game? Cooper Rush isn't much of an upgrade. He actually isn't even... I don't even think he's at the level of what Andy Dalton brings to the table. I don't know if you guys know, but I'm a big fan of Andy Dalton. And so there might be a little bias here. But I really do believe that Andy Dalton is has more potential to become a more impact starter with the team than Cooper Rush and maybe even Cam Newton. And I know that sparks the whole argument because I started that all over social media. But I'm telling you, I really think that Andy Dalton ha- would have a stronger impact on a team than Cam Newton would. And it's only because Cam Newton can't, stand he- can't stay healthy. I would take the guy who consistently takes his team to the playoffs than the guy who made it to the Super Bowl once, lost, and has never been back to the playoffs since. Because he can't stay healthy. Keep in mind, what are we going on now? Five years since Cam Newton went to the Super Bowl? Take, give me Andy Dalton any day. Give me Andy Dalton any day. You name it, he's. I would take him over Newton, 100%. Traditional pocket passer over a risk, a risky quarterback? I mean, come on. What's the point of having a risky quarterback who doesn't even have the arm that Andy Dalton has if he's just going to get hurt all the time? Not worth it. Andy Dalton, i take him in a heartbeat. And the Cowboys did it. So now Dak has a backup. Who's now making around $14 million, I'm hearing. So that's a little bit of a shocker. I do think that adding Dalton should add some competition too for Dak. Because if Dak can't show up at training camp or during the season, they will not hesitate to put in Andy Dalton to replace him. They won't. And who knows, Dalton may take full control of the team if Dak fails. And he succeeds. So that's a big thing to watch as well. Now, because they got that strong veteran backup that they didn't have before, they ended up releasing Cooper Rush, and Rush ended up with the New York Giants. So now Cooper Rush is a New York Giant and is signed to deal with them. So now he's going to be a backup for Daniel Jones, just not the second string. He'll be like the third string, I guess. But there you have it. Those are the main transactions that we've seen this week or in the last couple weeks for the NFL. So now we have to move on to a story I really don't want to cover because it's really sad, but we have to. Don Shula, the winningest coach in NFL history, passed away on Monday at the age of 90, peacefully in his home, and uh, the news was broke by the Miami Dolphins. The Miami Dolphins broke the news, and it, uh, it shocked a lot of people, even though it wasn't supposed to be surprising because, again... Shula was now 90 years old. It was going to happen sometime. It just seemed like it was just 
too soon, I guess. In a sense, it's not because of the age. I think it was more of nobody expected Shula to all of a sudden just the news pop up and everybody be just shocked. Again, it's the shock factor. Nobody knew about anything that was going on with Shula. He just passed away peacefully to sleep. So in honor of Coach Shula, I'm going to talk about just simply some of his accomplishments, some of the things he's done, and what he means to the NFL. Don Shula, as I already stated, he's the winningest coach in NFL history. He has the most wins out of any head coach in the history of the NFL. And you can say it's because of his career since he played 33 years as a coach, which dates back all the way to the Baltimore Colts in the 60s, which is pretty surprising. But besides the Baltimore Colts, I mean... The man did a lot of work for both for his teams. He always put the team first, never put anybody else first. His team was above everything else. And I think that's what I respected most about Coach Shula. Uh, he's a four-time Coach of the Year. So, in case you guys didn't know that, he's won the Coach of the Year award four times in his 33 years as a coach. He's got two Super Bowls to his name, which he got in 72 and 73, which is with the Dolphins, including the perfect season that came out in 1972 with Miami and Bob Grease is quarterback. So, if you think about it, he's also the only coach to ever coach a team to a perfect season. No one else has been able to do it. Now, regular season-wise, yes, someone else has done it. New England has done it. But to finish the entire season, including the Super Bowl, with no losses, that's an improbable feat. And they achieved it. In other words, the Dolphins had probably the best team of all time. How can you say a team who didn't go perfect didn't have the best team of all time? So yeah, Miami... Don, Don Shula meant a lot to the Miami Dolphins. Name another coach that can get 347 wins in his career. Nobody. There's no other coach that's been able to do it. Think about this. His long tenure of coaching... 33 years, which means 33 seasons. He's only had two seasons where he had a losing record. If you think about that winning record compared to losing record, that's 31-2. and two. He's had 31 seasons where he's had a winning record, or at least tied, and he's had two seasons where he had a losing record. It's incredible. No other coach can do that. I can't name you one today who hasn't had one losing season in their long tenure like that. I can't name anyone who's got less than three. It's something you got to think about. Because not a lot of teams have that. Nobody's really had that coach that really stood out for them. Unless you're a Steelers fan, a Redskins fan, a Bear fan, a Packer fan. I mean, it's very hard to pick that out. To have a coach who was that successful. I mean, the Giants too with Bill Parcells. Patriots had Bill Belichick. But the thing is... How often is it that Bill Belichick didn't have more than three losing seasons? What's the likelihood? Gotta think about that too. And for all the work he had done as a head coach, Don Shula was inducted in the Hall of Fame in 97. He did a lot of work for the league and a lot for the Dolphins. The man was a prominent figure throughout the NFL, and for anyone who got the chance to talk to him. He was an inspiration, an icon. Nobody ever decided to cross his path at any point without at least shaking his hand. The guy was that 
significant to football and its history. Name another coach. No other coach can say that they've done the things he could do. Sure, he's only got two Super Bowl rings. I get that. But do you know how hard it is to get a Super Bowl ring in the first place? Look at every head coach in this league, and I want you to count all the rings they have. Reed, Andy Reid just got his first Super Bowl ring this Super Bowl this past season for the Chiefs. And he's been coaching for a long time, like since the 90s, long time. And now here he is, he's just got his first title. He's been to the Super Bowl, yes, with the Eagles, but he never won. He lost to the Patriots back in 05. If I'm correct, that's the year. Nope, 04. In 04, he lost with the Eagles. I mean, it's things like that. He had a chance, he was so close, he couldn't get it, and then it took him another 16 years before he could get another ring. Finally get his first. But the thing is, Andy Reid was such an important coach and a big figure in the NFL for so long because he had done so much for the Eagles. And then when he got fired, nobody was willing to take him on. And then finally the Chiefs gave him a chance, hired him onto staff, and he turned the organization around. Sure, it took him like five years, six years, but he turned the Chiefs organization around and made them something. He made them prominent again. The last coach who was able to do that was Hank Stram. And I'm telling you, that means a lot to have a, a comparison to that coach because he brought the Chiefs to three Super Bowls in his tenure as head coach. And he won one in Super Bowl Four, which was in 1970. You see, it's those little things that I'm talking about. you got to look at it from this perspective. The coach himself, Andy Reid, didn't get a Super Bowl ring until this past year. He's now on the same level as Bill Cowher in legacy because Andy Reid did so much for the game and made it so special. He got a gunslinging quarterback who revolutionized the game with his acrobatic throws and unconventional ways of getting the ball downfield and making plays happen. He got that weapon he needed. He built a high-powered offense that could run on all cylinders. It's that and everything he did in Philly with Donovan McNabb and Brian Westbrook. I mean, those, that team, the teams he's had to work with is what really shaped his career and what made him such, so much of a better coach. I think of it like that. And I look at that and I say the same thing for Don Shula. He got two rings. I know it hurts his legacy. But with his coaching record and stature, there is no doubt in my mind that man is one of the greatest coaches of all time. Without a doubt in my mind. But you know, if you still don't believe me, then let's move over to the next topic then. R.I.P. Don Shula. The next topic, to close the entire show out, is the greatest coaches of all time. What is your top five? Who would you put on your top five coaches of all time? Who would you put on your list? Chuck Knoll from the Steelers? Bill Walsh from the Niners? Joe Gibbs, Redskins. How about Paul Brown, one of the greatest innovators of the game ever? George Hallis, maybe? Of course, Vince Lombardi. Bill Belichick? Well, it all comes down to one factor. What have they done for the game and how have they shown their success? Let's talk about it. So my top five is very unconventional because I take more of their legacy and the things they've done in the league into account. I don't take into account their actual 
statistics themselves. And I know I call myself the sideline statsman, and that goes against everything I stand for. But this is what I'm going to explain to you. The coaches can't be where they are today, and the players can't be where they are today without the people who built the game in the beginning. So obviously, I'm going to give them more love than they deserve because we don't, they don't get enough. Everyone likes to name all the coaches who were on iconic teams and made them amazing. It's like Marty Schottenheimer. May have never gotten, he may have gotten one ring with the Rams, but that doesn't make him a great coach. Another great example, Don Coryell never got a ring with the Chargers, but it doesn't deny the fact that he built the Air Coryell offense, which is an air raid attack, simply put. It's those little things. The Air Coryell had more of an impact on the NFL itself than Marty Schottenheimer did with his greatest show on turf. I'm telling you guys, it's all over the place. It all depends on what they did for the game. I would put Coryell above him any day. So those little things are what's going to affect my judgment. I'm going to go for how did they make the game better for the future? How did they inspire the people moving forward? What did they do during their time that made them become an icon? It's those little things. So I'll start with number five. I will say this top five was very difficult to make because there were so many good coaches that I wanted to put in that I couldn't include. Starting off with number five, we have Mr. George Hallis. George Hallis is going to be here at number five just simply for a couple things. This was a tough spot to put in because there were a lot of coaches you could have fit into the five, number five spot and into this top five. But George Hallis is in here because of what he did for the game. Forty years, folks. Forty years as a head coach. And that included a couple breaks in between of about two to three years. And that's mainly caused from relocations for Chicago. He was with the Chicago team for as long as you can think of for since the beginning of the actual NFL. When it was known as the APFA. The American Pro Football Association. That's what you got to think about for a second. This man was coaching the Decatur Chicago Staley's in the APFA for two seasons. That's how he started his career, and that's in 1920 and 21. Then he went on to coach Chicago in intervals of around 10 years, except for his first tenure, which was for eight. So he did a total of 40 years going to the 1960s. So I want you to think about that for a second. This man had 10 division championships in 40 years as a head coach. He had six championships in the span of 40 years. He has the second most wins in a regular season in NFL history behind Don Shula. And he coached for 40 years. George Hallis, also known as Papa Bear, has 324 wins to his name, which, yes, is less than Don Shula. But that doesn't take away the fact that this man created the monsters in the midway and put Chicago on the map as one of the biggest threats in the entire NFL. And it's not a joke. Chicago has always been a threat. They always have. And you could ask their in-division opponents in the NFC North. You could ask Green Bay, Detroit, and Minnesota. They will all say they have always fought hard. And that came from the mentality of Papa Bear. George Hallis made the team what it is today. He is the father of the Chicago Bears. Because of what he gave for the team. And that's why he's at number five. 
the amount of dedication he put in to expand the NFL and make it what it is today, on top of being a very successful coach, is what put him in the top five. Now, number four, I'm going to give that to another innovator who really deserves to be on this list, maybe even higher, but I'm going to keep him at four for now because the three above him definitely have a long record that is probably better than his. I'm going to put Paul Brown on here. Paul Brown, the creator of the Cincinnati Bengals and the established and the one who pretty much built the Cleveland Browns. So let me explain that real quick. Paul Brown, 25 years as a head coach, which is very good for someone who's been coaching for a long time and wants to be well-known. Very, very good. He was with Cleveland when they were in the AAFC, which is in the 50s, for four years. Then he had Cleveland for 13 years, and then he had Cincinnati for eight. So think about that for a second. This man was coaching for a long time. And he went to, he was with Cleveland for the longest and then built the Cincinnati Bengals himself. That's why the stadium for the Cincinnati Bengals is called Paul Brown Stadium. 14 times he was a division champion. 14 times in 25 years. That alone put him above George Hallis right there. 14-time division champion. That's insane. Four-time AAFC champion. Three-time NFL champion. Ten straight title appearances with Cleveland. That includes their time in the AAFC. You put that together, you will never find another coach that takes his team to ten straight title appearances. You won't find one. And of all those appearances, they got seven out of the ten in trophies. That's nuts. I don't think you'll find another coach who could do that. And then and then on top of that, you have him being an innovator. That's what makes it even better. His, his ability to change the game and just make a team what it is today was unbelievable and unheard of at the time. That's why he's in this top five and that why he's at four, above Hallis. He built the Cincinnati Bengals himself. He put the Cleveland Browns on the map. It's those little things that made him so different and so significant and why he had to be in the top five. And now we're entering the top three. So this gets very controversial, but let's just get to it. Number three, I have Don Shula. Third best coach of all time. Why? Simple. We're going to go back to exactly what I told you guys before. Don Shula, 33 years coaching, yet pulls off being the winningest coach in NFL history. He coached seven years less than George Hallis and has more wins than him. Only two losing seasons to his tenure, to his name. Coached Miami for 26 years and Baltimore for seven. He has six Super Bowl appearances with two championships out of it. And he's also a 16-time division champion. And all that alone combined makes him a Hall of Famer when he was inducted in 1997 which is about two years after he finished coaching. I'll backtrack here because I know I forgot Paul Brown. Paul Brown got put into the Hall of Fame in 1967, four years after it was first created. So, going off that note there, back to Don Shula. We just lost the third best coach in NFL history. The guy made the Dolphins what they are today. Without him, they wouldn't be anywhere near what they are today. Their popularity wouldn't be where it is. They wouldn't have two Super Bowls. They wouldn't have been so successful. They might not have even had Dan Marino in the first place. 
Bob Greasy was such a good quarterback. He got blessed by picking great quarterbacks to run the team, and that's what made the Dolphins great. Two losing seasons happened just because of unfortunate circumstances, with injuries, really. But the Miami Dolphins became who they were because Don Shula was there. Can't tell me another coach could do what he could do. And don't you dare say Bill Belichick, because the Patriots were still a big de- were actually a pretty big deal until Belichick got there. Once Belichick got there, they were widely known throughout the world. I respect everything Belichick has done. But again, he is definitely not like Don Shula. Don Shula was different. But again, I didn't say Belichick was worse than him. I'm just saying he's not the same as Don Shula. Don Shula made the Dolphins what they are today. Simply put. This now moves into our top two. And in the second spot, which is going to turn a lot of heads and piss off a lot of people, I'm going with Mr. Vince Lombardi. Vince Lombardi's number two. Everybody knows what he did. First coach to win a Super Bowl. Or should I say the first two Super Bowls. And made the Packers what they are today. He had the super team that was there before the Super Bowl was even thought of. They had already won championships without the Super Bowl. Once the Super Bowl came into play, they just got two more. Lombardi, only coached for 10 years. Note that. He only coached for 10 years. And yet, he's still number two on this list. Why? Let me explain. The man spent most of his career with Green Bay. And then one season with Washington. Now, in that time, he has six division championships to his name. Green Bay won the division six times. They got the championship in the NFL three times, which includes two Super Bowls. He was widely regarded as an innovator and one of the brightest minds you'll ever meet in the NFL. There was one guy I wish I could meet that I could go back in time and have a discussion with and learn from. It would be Vince Lombardi. I want to know what helped him build this great team that was the Green Bay Packers in the 1960s. I want to know. I want to know what made him go with Bart Starr as quarterback. Why did you take Jerry Kramer to be that big guy you needed up front as an offensive lineman? Why? I want to know everything about that team. I want you to inform me. Share your knowledge so I can use it in in the future and help build upon what you've created. Vince Lombardi was one of the big reasons why I fell in love with football. And the unfortunate part is he only coached 10 years because he was diagnosed with colon cancer during his time with the Washington Redskins, and he ended up passing away from it. He lost the battle. And as a result, his coaching career was done. It was just over. And the people were left shocked because the man was such a big figure in football, and we knew how big he was going to be moving forward. He was going to change the game, but his life was cut short too soon. And in that honor of what he had done for the NFL, they put him in the Hall of Fame in 1971. And it was the greatest thing they ever did. Vince Lombardi is an icon to those who know. Those who know football know what Vince Lombardi did for the game. It's that simple. Now, if you want to tell me about who the number one coach is, I think you can guess it. Number one, undoubtedly, as much as I try to deny it as a fan, it's Bill Belichick. And the reason why is because Bill, through 25 years, 
has been in 11 Super Bowls in 25 years. He's won the division title 17 times in 25 years as a coach. 20 years with New England, 5 years with Cleveland he has spent as a coach. He's got 6 rings out of 25 years. No other coach has as many Super Bowl rings as he has throughout his entire career. No other coach has gotten that many, ever. And on top of that, he's got the third most regular season wins in NFL history behind Hallis and Shula. His coaching career isn't even over yet, and he's already widely regarded as the greatest of all time. Now that he's lost Tom Brady, if he can win a championship or at least make it to the Super Bowl with Jarrett Stidham, I promise you we will put him down as the greatest coach of all time. Bill Belichick has a nose for talent and knows how to build a team and make a team work. So I trust everything he can do. And he's definitely one of those figures that if you have a conversation with him, he won't spill you his secrets, but he'll talk your ear off about the old days with football. He's that kind of person. He loves football. He loves the game and will talk about it with anyone. And that's what made him such a successful coach. He had so much knowledge and passion for the game that he was willing to pretty much trade anything for it. He was he wouldn't give up anything to play football or coach it. Bill Belichick signified power and understanding as coach of the, the New England Patriots and as Cleveland Browns. I don't believe Cleveland has been as successful as they've been since Bill Belichick. They've never been successful. Without Bill, they wouldn't even be a thought right now. And it's the truth. The Browns are a great team. They were historically. But without Bill Belichick, I don't know if they'd still be around now. Bill Belichick is what made the NFL different. He left, he went to go back, he learned under Bill Parcells, and then next thing you know, he's coach of the New England Patriots and a guy named Tom Brady, who they got in the sixth round out of Michigan. A lot of people didn't believe in him. And now look at him. He's got six rings, and he's widely regarded as one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, if not the greatest. There's no doubt in my mind that Bill Belichick is the greatest coach of all time. You don't take a player who was a six-round pick that nobody cared about and make him one of the most significant and powerful figures in the history of sports. You just don't do that. It seems almost impossible to do, yet he did it. And got six rings out of him. You do the math. How is that possible? If you can name another coach who can do the things that he did, I will be impressed. You can't. Bill Belichick is the greatest coach of all time. Fine. Final answer. Now, I know some of you are pissed off because you don't know why Bill Walsh is on here or why he's not on here. You don't know why Chuck Knoll isn't on here. You don't know why Joe Gibbs isn't on here. You're going to start naming coaches off the top of your head. You don't know why Parcells is not on here. And I'm going to tell you the truth. I don't think their resume matches up to what these guys have done. I don't think any of them do. Sure, they made contributions to the game during that time era and for that franchise. But I'm talking about what was their impact to the NFL. And every guy you've heard on this list did something to the NFL and made it stronger and better than it is today made the game what it is today, and created the bright future that is now there in our youth. Those young kids who look to become NFL stars and coaches and trainers, they they have made that 
mentality grow over time and fester inside the viewers and the young minds. That's what made them great, and that's why they're in my top five. The other coaches, yeah, they definitely did a lot. Bill Walsh especially. He did a lot and created the greatest, one of the greatest dynasties you'll ever see with the 49ers. Jerry Rice, Joe Montana. What else can I say? But I can't give credit to a man who only coached for such a short time. I know that you guys are going to say, well, what about Vince Lombardi? I get that. I know that comparison. But again, his career was cut short and his legacy still is strong today. I don't know how strong Walsh's legacy stands today in the NFL than Lombardi's does. I can't stick with that theory. And the same thing goes for Chuck Knoll. Great coach, don't get me wrong, but Chuck Knoll, even though he's got those four rings with the Steelers back in the 70s, that doesn't stand to say what he did. The only thing I could possibly credit him for that he did as an inspiration is the Steel Curtain. Every other person I can cite exactly what made them a great coach and why they're on this list of the top five. So yeah, that is my top five. If you care to disagree and you want to argue it, that's totally fine. I'll be putting up a post about it on Twitter and on Instagram. So if you don't already, check it out on Twitter at tstatsman and on Instagram at t underscore statsman. Go to either one. I'll make a post about it. Go there. Comment. Do your thing. Tell me I'm wrong. Give your reasoning. And who knows? If you come up with a really good answer, I may just feature you on this podcast. So, I'm telling you. I think you guys should really get active in this conversation. Start asking yourself, what did the coaches do for the NFL? Start asking yourself that instead of, instead of looking at what they did for the team. But that's going to do it for us here at the Pigskin Pulpit. Thank you guys for listening. Like I already said, make sure to follow me on Twitter at TStatsman and on Instagram at T underscore Statsman. I'll have another episode up on Tuesday. But until then, we'll see you next time. Have a great day, everybody.